This is a podcast from the Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at the Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in the Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. We're in the month of March 2023. And the topic of companies delisting from the Singapore Exchange appears to be making headlines again. Now, the Mark to Market column and podcast has delved before into the problem of companies not being able to garner decent valuations in the local market and consequently deciding to delist. When these deals happen, there tends to be an element of duality to them. On the one hand, when exit offers are announced, they're usually well above market price and hence shareholders get to cash out at an elevated price. So there is this flurry of bullish price action. On the other hand, because the local market's long-term performance has been so poor and stock valuations in some segments of the market are so weak, exit offers are often far below the book values of the target companies. And this naturally leads to a lot of unhappiness among long-term shareholders of these companies. So there is a duality to these delisting deals. When they happen, it's the best of times and the worst of times for investors, depending on their perspective. And consequently, there is a lot of regulation around delistings, which investors should know about in order to be able to play their cards right when faced with these transactions. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about the general offer for the industrial property developer Bousted Projects, as well as the proposed breakup and delisting of coal producer Golden Energy and Resources because key aspects of these two transactions could have implications for the rules and conventions related to delistings in the local market. I will briefly describe the salient points of these two transactions. I will explain why these two deals are being watched closely by investors as well as regulators. And I'll offer some personal views on what shareholders of Bowser Projects and Golden Energy ought to do. Let me begin with Golden Energy. Now, I actually own some shares in Golden Energy. I bought them quite a few years ago and then forgot about them, but I began watching the stock last year because it started to rally very strongly. In fact, Golden Energy tripled in value last year, and it was easily the best-performing stock I owned. In November 2022, amid all the excitement after its big run, Golden Energy unveiled a two-step delisting plan. Under the deal, Golden Energy has proposed a distribution in specie of its 62.5% stake in an Indonesia-listed thermal coal producer called Golden Energy Mines, or GEMS. Shareholders of Golden Energy in Singapore can choose to receive their entitlement to the GEMS shares in the form of a cash payment, which I think is what many small investors will do, even though the cash payment is lower than the current market value of GEMS shares. After the distribution in specie of GEMS, Golden Energy will be delisted with an exit offer price of $0.16 per share. This is the important part. All in, shareholders of gear who take the all-cash option for their gem shares will be getting a total consideration of $0.84.6 per share. Shareholders of Golden Energy who choose to receive the gem shares instead of cash will be getting a total effective consideration of $1.4.5 per share based on the market price of GEMS shares and the Singapore dollar-rupiah exchange rate at the time of the announcement. Golden Energy rationalized this transaction on the basis of the growing importance of ESG factors, that is, environmental, social and governance factors, when it comes to raising capital. It said the transaction would effectively remove 
the thermal coal business operated by its Indonesia-listed unit, which is facing ESG pressures from the group. After the distribution in specie, Golden Energy will be left with two key assets. One of them is a 64% stake in Stanmore Resources, which is a metallurgical coal producer listed in Australia. The other is a 50% stake in a gold mining company called Ravenswood Gold Group. Now, the ESG narrative notwithstanding, many investors, including myself, think the $0.16 exit offer price is far too low. Stanmore Resources alone right now has a market capitalization of nearly 3.2 billion Australian dollars. So the market value of Golden Energy's 64% stake in this single asset is more than 2 billion Singapore dollars, or about 68 cents per Golden Energy share. This is obviously much more than the 16 cents being offered. And of course, if Stanmore Resources keeps appreciating in value, which it has been, the deal will become even more unattractive for Golden Energy's shareholders. Interestingly, Golden Energy's share price is now trading close to the $0.90 level. This is well above the $0.84.6 all-cash consideration that investors would receive under the deal. As an investor myself, I don't see any point supporting this proposed delisting. I would much rather just hold on to my shares in Golden Energy and let the market continue marking up its value. Let's move on to Bowsted Projects now. Unlike Golden Energy, I don't own shares in Bowsted Projects. And when the general offer by its parent company, Bowsted Singapore, was announced in February this year, I didn't think anything unusual was going to happen. But people began asking me about it and suggesting that I take a closer look at what was going on. And when I did, I realized this was going to be a very interesting case. In the first place, Bowsted Projects' share price immediately jumped above the initial offer price of $0.90 per share. And then it kept climbing. Within two weeks, Bowsted Projects had closed as high as $0.99, cents, or 10% above the offer price. Clearly, there was widespread speculation in the market that the offer price for Bowsted Projects would be raised significantly. One reason for this was that the offer price was seen by analysts to be inadequate. Bowsted Projects, which develops industrial real estate, reported an NAV of $1.26.5 per share as of September 30 last year. And one brokerage firm put its estimated RNAV for Bowsted Projects at $1.79 per share. Another factor that might have spurred the speculative activity was that the offer for Bowsted Projects was not conditional on the offerer and its concert parties crossing the 90% threshold as many of these sorts of offers tend to be. So a trader who bought the stock at $0.90 per share effectively faced no downside risk because he'd be able to sell the stock to the offerer without fear of the offer not going through, but stood to make a gain if the offer price was revised. A trader who bought Bowser Projects at $0.99 faced a downside risk of about 9%, but stood to gain nearly 28% in the event the offer price was raised to the same level as the company's NAV. The speculative activity came to an end on February 22, when Bowsted Singapore revised its offer price to $0.95 cents per share and said there would be no further increases. Bowsted Project share price immediately fell to $0.95 cents as many investors scrambled for the door, and this gave Bowsted Singapore the opportunity to tighten its grip on Bowsted Projects at the revised offer price. Bowsted Singapore has said it intends to take Bowsted Projects private and seek a delisting should the option become available. It has also said if Bowser Projects loses the minimum required public float of 10% and it is suspended from trading, it will do nothing to get the suspension lifted. Essentially, the offerer appears to want Bowser Projects to be suspended in order to squeeze all minority investors out of their holdings. Will the offerer succeed? 
The last time I checked, Bowsted Singapore and its concert parties held more than 82% of Bowsted projects. So it's not far from crossing the 90% threshold. But shares in Bowsted Project have begun intermittently trading above the offer price of 95 cents. If it rises further, and there's no certainty it will, there is a chance that Bowsted Projects could remain listed and minority investors could continue holding their shares and allow the market to set its price over time. So the main point I'm trying to get across here is that the proposed delistings of Golden Energy and Bowsted Projects are still up in the air. These stocks are in play, and a lot depends on the direction of their market prices in the weeks to come. But as I said at the beginning of this podcast, there are a lot of regulations around delistings, and these two deals are testing certain aspects of these rules. In particular, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny of the work of the independent financial advisors that have been appointed to determine if these deals are fair and reasonable. And depending on how things go, SGX may have to make some difficult calls, which could become precedents of sorts for how it may handle delistings in the future. I'm going to talk about these issues right after this. Break down useful financial tips with Money Hacks from the Business Times with correspondent Howie Lim. Every first and third Monday of the month, go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Mark to Market from the Business Times. At the beginning of this podcast, I said that understanding the regulations governing delistings is important for investors to be able to play their cards right when they're presented with these sorts of deals. So let me highlight a couple of things here. The Singapore Exchange tightened up its delisting rules in 2019 after a consultation with market participants and the public. One of the key protections investors now have is that exit offers in conjunction with voluntary delistings must be determined by an independent financial advisor to be fair as well as reasonable. In addition, the offerer and parties acting in concert with the offerer must abstain from voting on the voluntary delisting resolution, and the resolution needs to be supported by at least 75% of the shares held by independent shareholders present and voting. Now, Those SGX rules do not stop companies from being delisted through compulsory acquisition. Under Section 215 of the Companies Act, an offerer can exercise the right of compulsory acquisition once it obtains 90% of a target company's shares that it and its related companies did not already own. Now, the current wording of that law enables individuals who are controlling shareholders of listed companies to have the shares they own count towards the 90% acceptance threshold by setting up a special purpose vehicle to make the offer. So this has been a loophole of sorts that has enabled a number of companies to be delisted more easily. But amendments to the Companies Act have been proposed to address this loophole, and it's just a matter of time before they will be tabled in Parliament. Now, to be clear, the amendments will not prevent companies from being compulsorily acquired at low valuations, but it will become harder in some cases. The point I'm making here is that Singapore's regulators have been tightening the rules on delistings, and the Golden Energy case and the Bowser Projects case will test the practical enforcement of the rules that have been put in place. In particular, the role of independent financial advisors, or IFAs, is now under the spotlight. In the Golden Energy case, one shareholder of the company recently complained to the authorities that the appointed IFA 
a firm called W Capital Markets, has been asked to opine on whether the proposed distribution in specie of Golden Energy's Indonesia-listed unit and the subsequent exit offer for Golden Energy at 16 cents per share, when taken together as a single transaction, are fair and reasonable. The distribution in specie of the Indonesian unit and the delisting of Golden Energy are interconditional on each other. But the shareholder said the two elements of this transaction should not be conflated. Instead, the IFA should be required to provide an opinion on whether the exit offer on its own is fair and reasonable. Now, this shareholder, much like me, also thinks the exit offer of 16 cents is way too low. But his objection about what the IFA was being asked to do is very interesting. Under Rule 1309 of the SGX rulebook, companies seeking to delist must make an exit offer in cash. The company must also appoint an IFA, and the IFA must opine that the exit offer is fair and reasonable. The rule, as it is written, does not provide for aspects of a wider corporate transaction to be considered alongside an exit offer. But the rule does not specifically disallow it either. The matter was serious enough for SGX to respond with an open letter to Golden Energy. In the letter, dated February 24, SGX said that in order to ensure compliance with Rule 1309, Golden Energy must ensure the IFA not only states whether the distribution in specie of the Indonesia-listed entity and the exit offer, when taken together as a single transaction, are fair and reasonable, but also whether the all-cash consideration of 84.6 cents is fair and reasonable. In effect, SGX is ensuring the IFA clearly states whether the all-cash option, which will be the effective exit offer for most investors, is fair and reasonable. SGX also said in its letter that if there have been any material changes to the traded price of Golden Energy's component assets since the transaction was announced last year, then the IFA must consider these changes when it comes up with its opinion. This is obviously a reference to the soaring price of Stanmore in Australia. SGX also said if the IFA takes into account factors like the market trends for Golden Energy's coal businesses in arriving at its recommendation, notwithstanding the market valuation of such businesses, then the IFA should state and explain why these factors matter. This is clearly a reference to the ESG narrative that Golden Energy has wrapped around its proposed transaction. SGX wants to ensure this narrative does not cloud the IFA's opinion. So, I think it's fair to say that Golden Energy's proposed deal has really put its appointed IFA under the spotlight. And I think the authorities are going to be very concerned about this transaction creating a precedent for lowball delistings to be packaged with extraneous elements to enable IFAs to agree they are fair and reasonable. So, for that reason, I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny of the work of Golden Energy's IFA. The offer for Bowsted Projects is also going to test Singapore's market regulators, but in a different way. One underappreciated aspect of this offer is that Bowsted Singapore is not making an offer for all the shares it doesn't already own. When the offer was announced on February 6, Bowsted Singapore owned 54.87% of Bowsted Projects' shares. Bowsted Singapore's chairman, CEO and controlling shareholder, a gentleman by the name of Wong Fong Fui, is obviously deemed to have an interest in those shares. But Wong also has a deemed interest in a further 19.28% of Bowsted Project shares, which are held through nominees. So all in, Wong had a deemed interest of 74.16% of Bowsted Projects when the offer was announced. 
Even though Wong is acting in concert with Bausted Singapore in relation to the offer for Bausted projects, the offer does not extend to the 19.28% of the Bausted project shares he controls through nominees. So, because the offer is not for all of Bausted project shares, Bausted Singapore will not be able to avail itself of the powers of compulsory acquisition under the Companies Act. This means Bausted Projects IFA has to say the offer of 95 cents per share is fair and reasonable in order for the company to be delisted. Bausted Projects said on February 14 that it had appointed Prime Partners Corporate Finance as its IFA. So that IFA opinion will eventually be announced. The problem is that in the meantime, Bausted Singapore is standing in the market and collecting any Bausted Project shares for sale at 95 cents. As I said earlier, the offerer and his concert parties have already accumulated more than 82% of Bausted Project's shares. So what happens if the offerer and its concert parties cross the 90% threshold before the IFA opinion is announced? Or worse, what if the IFA decides the offer is not fair and reasonable after the offerer and its concert parties cross the 90% threshold? Well, as it happens, SGX made its views on this sort of situation known back in 2019. SGX said in a regulator's column on July 11, 2019, that it will generally allow a company that is the subject of a general offer to delist if the general offer meets the principles applicable to a voluntary delisting, specifically that the general offer is stated by an IFA to be fair and reasonable and that the offerer has obtained at least 75% of the shares held by independent shareholders. SGX said if these conditions are not met, the company will remain listed, and SGX was quite clear about this. Now, if the company loses its public float, investors have to be prepared for trading to be suspended. SGX Rule 1303 says in a takeover situation, where the offerer succeeds in garnering acceptances exceeding 90% of the target company's shares, the exchange will suspend trading at the close of the offer. But SGX said in the regulator's column I mentioned that the company would not be delisted and would still be obliged to comply with all listing rules, including the requirement to restore its public float through a private placement or otherwise. In my view, this could put the Bausted Group as well as SGX, in a tricky situation. It could be tough for Bausted Projects to immediately restore its public float at prices above $0.95 cents per share, and I'm not sure how exactly SGX can compel the company to do so. So this publicly stated position by SGX could be tested in the weeks ahead, assuming Bausted Projects' IFA decides the offer is not fair and reasonable. What is the probability of this happening? Personally, I think the IFAs in both the Golden Energy case and the Bausted Projects case should not find the respective deals to be fair and reasonable. I mean, Golden Energy is already trading well above the all-cash consideration. So in my view, the board should immediately call off the whole deal or obtain better terms. And in the Bausted Projects case, not only is the offer price a discount to NAV and RNAV, shares in Bausted Projects were trading above $0.95 only 10 months ago. So the offer on the table is not attractive at all. Nevertheless, even if Bowser Projects IFA were to say the offer is not fair and reasonable, I would be wary of holding on to the stock once the offerer and its concert parties cross the 90% threshold and a trading suspension looks unavoidable. So investors should hold on only until then, in my view. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. I'm senior correspondent Ben Paul. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, 
Spotify, Google Podcast or, via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.